You're listening to the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down elite sports performance and fitness. My name is Anthony Mercurio, and I've worked with thousands of athletes over the last 15 years of strength and conditioning. And if you're looking for ways to improve your speed, jumping ability, or just overall athleticism, then this is the show for you. Let's get after it. Welcome back to another episode of the Anthony Mercurio Performance Podcast. We're up to number 15, episode 15 here, and bringing you another quick one and really about training smarter as opposed to just keep training and doing more. And I think this is where many athletes run into trouble, general population in, in as well, but we end up just doing more and trying to go harder and harder and harder as opposed to just doing some things a little bit smarter. And the reason why I bring this up is because yesterday I had the pleasure of doing an assessment uh, with an athlete who is nine months post ACL surgery. I've never worked with this athlete before. She's a local college soccer player and she trains or she, she plays soccer with an athlete who's been training with me for three plus years now. And my athlete has been kind of pushing her to come see me and talk to me about some things that she can do. Now, nine months post-op is traditionally a, a, an area where you want to start getting like really specific in your return to play protocols. So you should be you know, fully cleared. Muscle balances should be pretty close. You should be able to do most things on your ACL leg as you could on your quote unquote healthy leg. And you should be able to do just about everything. And here's where you want to start getting to some more specific gameplay where you're doing a lot more chasing and evading and learning how to, again, change direction a little bit more powerfully and more confidently. And I think that's the, the part of the ACL recovery that we, we don't talk a lot about is the mindset coming back from injury like that where you're not scared or fearful. And this athlete is scared or fearful because she has she still has pain in certain ranges of motion. So we were kind of trying to figure out what elicited the pain and where it could be coming from and what things she needs to do to strengthen. Now, this athlete in particular um, still has some atrophy, atrophy, right? So some muscle degeneration in that area around the, the ACL surgery. And her legs are, you know, significantly from the eye, right? Definitely different sizes. So her ACL leg is a little bit smaller than the, the you know, non-ACL surgery leg, which is common at first, but at nine months, those things should be addressed and pretty close at this point. And I think what has happened, you know, and this is why we kind of segued from the train smarter, not, not harder type thing is, is we want to be able to find things that address the limitations. And if you're going to a traditional physical therapist, which this girl was doing, and maybe you're going once or twice a week and they're just doing traditional rehab stuff without transitioning you into the strength training protocols or the return to play protocols. And then if you have a strength coach who doesn't know how to, again, do the specific things to kind of do that, then you run into these things where I'm just going to keep going harder. I'm going to keep doing these things or my coach wants me to do this or that. Um, and then we're not training smart anymore. And really, I mean, we're not even training hard either. We're just kind of going through the motions and nothing seems to get better. And we don't make any progress. So again, we went through uh, some few assessments to try to elicit the knee pain that she was, she was having. And after a couple of drills, it took us like four to six exercises to kind of really pinpoint what can, what we can do to cause the pain. And then we went through a series of exercises that we can use to one, get her out of that pain. Because obviously if we're doing an exercise that elicits that pain, 
we need to do more of that exercise. It sounds weird, but if the pain, if, if we're doing an exercise that's painful, you know, let's say a deadlift is causing pain in your low back, we should probably learn how to deadlift. So we should deadlift more. Um, I think my buddy Tyler Khaleesi, who was one of our coaches in the past and is kind of like branching off and doing his own thing. But he has talked about this, I think recently in terms of, you know, if you want to be able to deadlift, if deadlift hurts your back, you should probably deadlift more. Yes, maybe you're not going to be deadlifting a million pounds, but you should be deadlifting more to give yourself more exposure to that and build the strength and tolerance to that. And the same thing goes for the knee, right? We usually have a guide of like on an RPE scale of like pain threshold, like a two to four, right? Four being the upper limit of pain in those things when you're working it through a range of motion. But when you have a, a surgery, um, it's a pretty traumatic event for a joint like the ACL, the knee is going to feel stiff and may feel pain at certain ranges of motion. That doesn't mean that we don't go to those ranges of motion. It just means that we have to be more cautious when we're training them. And then we have to use that pain as a guide. And if it is a four or below, we can kind of push those limits a little bit because over time, you know, you want to grease the groove. You want to get lubrication through the joint. You want to strengthen the ligaments and tendons through a full range of motion. Because what ends up happening is when you get into a gameplay scenario, your body is going to find ways to get into ranges of motion whether or not you trained in them or not, you know, speed and dynamic and, you know, all those different things that are happening in a sport are going to lend yourself to getting into positions that you aren't really great at, which is why sometimes, you know, if we think, if we look at the CrossFit people or we look at some of these other dynamic Olympic lifts, people get into trouble overhead and in their shoulders because they're flinging the bar up or in a muscle up because they're skipping the, the mobility re pre prerequisites and they're just jumping into these really extended ranges of motion, but their body isn't used to it. So they're not strong in those ranges of motion. And then when you try to go through it fast, you skip that mobility requirement and you end up getting into a position where you're not really ready to be in. And the same thing can go for the knee. So if we're not really ready to get into these ranges of motion and we get into them in our sport. So for example, this girl's adductors, right? Her groin elicited that pain in the, in her knee. So, you know, your, your groin, your quads, your hamstrings all kind of uh, attach and get down towards that knee area. And we got to try to figure out what is the address. So if we're going and we're, let's say if it's her groin, which it, we found out it was, was really tight and weak and so on and so forth. So if now if she gets into like a pseudo split position, if she's reaching for a ball, then that's going to elicit that knee pain and then make her pull back and not want to play anymore so we want to be able to strengthen that that groin first and foremost and for this particular athlete something like a copenhagen plank is what we kind of worked on and we worked on some lateral lunges and different things that would get a person in those positions that are working outside of the traditional what we call sagittal plane so sagittal plane would be front and back so walking forward walking backwards so if you were to cut your body from left to right that's your sagittal plane and most exercises and most training that most people do is in the sagittal plane however in sports we don't just move in the sagittal plane if anything we very rarely move in the sagittal plane we move in the frontal plane which is side to side and the transverse plane which is rotationally so in our training, we have to incorporate some of these things to one, mitigate injury, right? That's why we do some of them. That's why we do something like a lateral lunge or a Copenhagen plank or, you know, some of these other side to side lateral movements is to one, help 
prevent or reduce the risk of injury, but two, also improve your performance. So now if I can get into a better lateral lunge and I can get into a stronger Copenhagen plank, is, do you think it's going to help improve my change of direction abilities or my ability to push off a defender if I'm leaning into them and trying to fight for a ball? Absolutely. So we want to be able to strengthen those ranges of motion as well as many of, you know, it's becoming more mainstream now, but, you know, a long time ago, uh, Dr. Perry Nicholson, Stop Chasing Pain, had talked about how power lives in the transverse plane. So if you're trying to create power, if I'm trying to kick a ball, if I'm trying to swing a baseball bat, lacrosse stick, or anything where I need to have some rotation in my body, that transverse plane is where all that power is. And that's where a lot of the torque happens on the knee, a lot of the torque happens on your low back, and different things like that. So we want to train those positions. And this is where Landmine University, if you're familiar with Landmine University, you can look those guys up. Um, These things are coming to be more mainstream because we need to train in that transverse rotational plane as well. So if we're looking at the hip and the knee as a total, total package, right, a synergistic piece, things that all work together, our hip is very three-dimensional. It has to work in so many different ways. It has to go forward, backwards, sideways, uh, inside and outside. And then it has to rotate in, inward and outward. So we want to make sure that that hip is working a lot in all those different directions. If the hip isn't working, then you're going to get that knee pain. And a lot of people will look at knee pain and be like, oh, it's something's wrong with your knee, which is what this girl had thought. So she was like, oh, I just got to do more knee rehab. But no, your knee hurts because of something that's either down the chain or up the chain. Usually when I look at pain in a certain area or symptoms in a certain area, we want to look a joint above or a joint below. And many times with knee pain, it's the joint above unless we're doing, you know, unless we're talking a lot of squatting or things like that. If we're talking squatting, we get knee pain. We could be looking at some ankle mobility restrictions, which this girl also did have as well. Um, But we're looking at depending on where the knee pain is, we want to look at uh, the hip. We want to train the hip in a, in a way that it's intended to, to work. So we want to work that hip in all these different ranges of motion and all these different positions to allow us to, well, again, reduce the risk of injury and as well as improve our overall performance. And this happens with you know, strength, traditional strength training. That is going to be the most confined way that we can regulate load, we can regulate challenging, we can regulate positions. So we have a lot of control there. And then we want to start moving that into more dynamic things. So we can look at things like side shuffle, crossover run, turn and run, rotational um, pivoting and different things like that, where we can turn that strength that we got in the weight room into more specific things on the field. So again, we're looking at training smarter and trying to find ways to maximize our performance. And we want to make sure that we're hitting our muscles and our joints and our body in a way that it's intended to move. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a review and give me some feedback on other things you would like for me to talk about and for you to learn about. Till next time. Later. Later.